for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's D. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. I'm Christina Pajitsky. Thank you for downloading this episode. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, let's get the business out of the way. Firstly, there are very few tickets left to see your mom's house live at the Irvine Improv February 12th. They are going uh, ridiculously fast, and I mean it when I say there's only a few left. So if you have any desire to see Tom and I do your mom's house live, um, get on it, bros, because that's going away. And then... Uh, April 13th through 15th, I'm at the Brea Improv doing stand-up. Uh, tickets are on thousandranch.com. That's T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D ranch. Thank um, May 19th and 20th, I'm in New York City at the Gotham Comedy Club. Tickets also on my website at thousandranch.com. And I'm excited to announce that I am... Um, last year I came out as bisexual and this year i'm proud to say i'm polyamorous no i'm kidding that's not the announcement the announcement is i'm doing san francisco man friend disco at the punchline june 16th and 17th and i'm having a special pre-sale for uh fans so you can get tickets first and let me see what the damn what the deal is on that sorry guys this is the first time i've done something fancy like that you'll have to uh, bear with me here ah shit Okay, what that means is Wednesday, this drops on Tuesday night at midnight. So Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., there's a special pre-sale for my San Francisco shows. Use the password jeans when you go to the Punchline uh, Comedy Club website. The link is on my site at thousandranch.com, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D ranch.com. This is like preferential for the special, for the real hardcore bros and the real hardcore jeans out there, you know, to make sure you guys get the tickets you want to get, the seating you want to get, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for everybody that's ever come out to see me. I really appreciate it. What else? Amazon. Guys, if you're shopping on Amazon, I implore you to use my banner. Go to thatsdeeprowpodcast.com. Click on the banner for the Amazon thingy jammer. You know, when you do your shopping, it just kicks back some change to the show. And um, yeah, and that's it. All right, good. All right, let's get to it. I have so many thoughts to share with you. A very deep week indeed. Um, You know, it's the new year everybody's full of resolutions. My husband just won the weight loss uh, challenge with burnt Chrysler. uh, And it's just, it's been a lot in the house. So I can't wait to discuss all the stuff with you. All right, let's go. Let's just fucking, yeah.
is nine to six as I got a garbage brain driving me insane. And I don't like the ride, so push that bastard aside. And baby, I won't care, cause baby, I don't scare. Cause I'm a reborn maggot using gym warfare. Yeah, dog. I love that song. I get so weird when I hear that. You know how some some songs, some bands are like, uh, they're just what your brain rhythm sounds like. For me, that song is my brain rhythm. And then um, anything by the Pixies, that's like how my brain works, I would say, if that makes any fucking sense. Uh, but what I've learned is that I don't, I don't like anything past 1992, musically. I think that's my cutoff. Is and yeah, whenever Beck came out with Loser, I think that was the last time I I liked what was being made. And I some you guys have sent me some cool stuff. Don't get me wrong, like I like Courtney Barnett. I think she's very cool and and deep. I just I fucking I can't. I I don't like grunge. I didn't like grunge. Not all of it. Um, I just I don't like. I I I was listening to like the top five songs of 2016. You know, and, you know, Justin Bieber is top two and I can't fucking, he's what, 12 years old. I don't relate to any of that. But then Rihanna was number, I don't know, three, four something. And I think she's infinitely talented and gorgeous and like just, she's rad. She's totally rad. But the song that was the mo- one of the most popular of 2016 was that work song or she just you gotta whack 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 and you're like what the fuck are we doing what are we what the fuck are we doing here that this is acceptable lyrically like are are you fucking kidding me that this is the and I it's musically great like yeah you just, it's catchy and then you listen to the words which I I have a disease where I have to listen to lyrics I can't just like a song. For sounds, I can't because my brain. I like to think, I, I like to fucking figure things out. I I have to understand what they're saying, otherwise I I just I can't do it. And that fucking song, man. And I was listening the other day. I like that first wave channel on Sirius XM channel thirty three, and they're playing. You know everything they play on that station at one point in America was a top 40 song when I was a kid. Like my dad uh, used to take me to bars and nightclubs when I was like in nine, 10 years old. Like on a weekday, we would go to this nightclub called the Beef and Barrel. It no longer exists. It was in Woodland Hills. And, you know, Thursday night, we go to the Beef and Barrel and I was 11 years old and he would drink and his friend was the DJ, this Hungarian guy, sweet guy actually. And I would dance to fucking Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax, which is a song about not coming, which you don't know that when you're 11. I would dance to like uh, Tears for Fears, you know, existentially dark songs about everybody wants to rule the world and just songs that I'm not saying all the songs in the eighties were deep by any stretch, but like just, just a little more varsity level advanced, just a, a little. And the grammar is appalling these days on, uh, uh, Hey man, just little thing. I hear people saying me and so-and-so are going to go do this. Uh, 
me and me and Rick are at the beach. Like, what? Wait a minute. Me and me and blankety blank. It, that's never appropriate. Never. One of my kids' toys. It's Scout, the talking bear. And you can program it to say the kid's name, which is like mind-blowingly cool. But there's a song he sings where he goes, me and my friend, Ellis, and he goes on. And I'm thinking, me and my friend, Ellis, that's completely grammatically incorrect. And I got to tell you, I don't discriminate uh, people based on race, gender identity, uh, sexuality, size, shape, form. I don't, I don't even look at that. I look at grammar. If you can't even fucking speak your native language correctly, fuck you. And first of all, most Americans only speak one language. I don't speak Hungarian fluently. So I fall into this category as well. I speak like second, third grade level Hungarian at best, at best. But you can't even fucking figure out that it's not me and me and Susie are going down to the arcade. You have to say the other fucking person's name first and then you or me or I. And then, and then you have to finish the sentence to see if it makes goddamn sense. Man. So um, exciting week. My husband beat Bert Kreischer at the fat challenge, the fat shaming contest that's been going on, uh, excuse me, for months, months of fat shaming Burt Chrysler, Burnt Chrysler. Um, and what happened was a wonderful thing. And my husband lost like 40 pounds and I think Burt lost 30 something. I'm not sure. I mean, they both lost a tremendous amount of weight, which 30, 40 pounds Holy moly. I mean, Tom lifted up one of um, Joe's kettlebells in the studio because I was watching it on Joe Rogan.live as they were broadcasting it. And that was a, it was a fucking, it, he lost essentially a kettlebell, which is bananas when you think about that weight. And, you know, that's like everybody's resolution is to lose weight in 2017, right? Well, who, who doesn't want to lose 10 or 15 pounds? What I find interesting is the distinction between the people who actually do it versus those of us who just say we will and and never do the things we want to do. And it's such an interesting thing to me what what the catalyst is for change. You know, why why certain people's they switch flips and you just go, no, this is it. I'm done. I have to do this. I must change. And it's I think it's so amazing. I think everybody was so blown away by both Tom and Bert's discipline and um and will to do it and it's interesting because a lot of this and and i and listen this generation it's all about the positivity and nobody wants to be negative and nobody wants to fucking say anything that hurts anybody or causes shame or fear or anger but i gotta tell you uh you know what got the job done with these two men little old school shame little old fashioned thing called embarrassment, fear of humiliation, uh, fear of failure. Uh, that's a wonderful motivator, a wonderful motivator. And in fact, um, in my life, I know for sure that most of the things I've accomplished have been 
because of those very reasons. <laughs> I don't want to be a fucking loser. I don't want to be, I don't want the bad thing to happen. You know, I, I, I think that that's a wonderful thing. And I, I, I'm not so sure that everybody feeling great about themselves all the time is really a catalyst for true change because God knows if you've ever had an addiction, uh, you know, it's rock bottom that causes you to stop what you're doing and turn around and go in the other direction. It's seldom, uh, uh, you know, self-love and acceptance and radical, you know, love that causes you to change. It's actually abject failure, crushing defeat, um, just demeaning, debilitating, uh, weakness, crippling weakness. I remember when I was 30 years old, I quit smoking and I'd smoked from the time I was 13 years old to 30. So it's a good 17 years of really smoking. Like I fucking really loved smoking. I was great at it. I was so good at smoking. I smoked camel lights. Those are my jams. And I loved the smell of opening up a box of fresh camel lights because they smelled like raisins. And nothing made me happier than to open the pack and, you know, you'd find your lucky cigarette, which means you pick one and you flip it upside down and you put it back in the pack. And then you knew at the end of the pack, you could smoke your lucky and you would, you would, uh, cast a wish on that last cigarette. And I loved the, um, I love the smell of cigarettes. I still do. I haven't smoked in 10 years, but I, I still like seeing people smoke like, yeah, I get it, bro. Oh, that is good, isn't it? I love the the meditation of smoking because when you think about it, you're really just breathing in and out, breathing in and out. It's kind of a rhythmic meditative thing. I, I And I, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to sit and do nothing and think. So cigarettes go really well with that or just sitting around uh, being anxious. That's another thing I'm really good at. And cigarettes are the ultimate companion uh, for sitting around um, being anxious. Now, I'm not advocating smoking in any way, shape, or form, hence me quitting for the last 10 years, because it is it, it is an act of violence to smoke cigarettes. If, when you think of it against your own body, it is, it is an insane act of violence and, frankly, self-destruction, self-sabotage, um, self-loathing. I can't think of a habit pro- worse well, yeah, I can heroin probably, but at least heroin, there's some kind of tangible opiate high, but cigarettes is just destruction and it's fucking horrendous. But the point being, I remember being so addicted. Like I remember I, I, I lived up a stair street in Silver Lake at one point in my life. It was like 150 steps to the top. I decided this was my I was going through this weird Ralph Waldo Emerson phase where I decided to go live in a house in the woods on the top of the hill away from society, away from people. I didn't have a TV for a year. I didn't have, I have some nights, not electricity for some reason because the house was really, really old. And I just hid out, man. I hid out for a few years in this house. And I, uh, I remember, uh, so gross laying in bed, panicked, because I hadn't thought out my cigarette situation for the night. And I remember at like at two in the morning laying there being like, okay, I have, I have like four in this pack and I'm going to smoke one when I wake up and then I'm going to smoke another one with my coffee. And then I'm going to have another one in the car on the way to work. Oh my God. And then like doing the junkie math of cigarette. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't just 
get out of my house and go buy a pack in the middle of the night because I lived up this crazy stair street. It would be really involved. And it was very dark. It was very dangerous looking back. Probably not a smart idea. Um, I would have to get up, climb down 150 stairs in the dark, and then climb back up 150 stairs to get these cigarettes. So I would like plan my life around getting smokes, which was just fucking disastrous, right? Because I remember laying in bed and, and doing this math this junkie math and, and wine too. I had a thing with wine at one time. Like I have, I have to have wine in the house all the time. Like I got, I got a drink. <laughs> who am I? You know, I'm fucking, who am I? Bukowski that I have to have my wine and my smokes or a trailer park boy, but they didn't drink wine, right? Roman Coke. So I just, I remember thinking this has got to stop because I'm putting so much energy into doing this math of getting the smokes how am I going to get them? Is there enough in the house? How many do I have a spare pack? How many are in the spare? Like it was just insanity. I read this book, Alan Carr's "The Easy Way to Quit Smoking." Didn't work for me personally, but I've read the. Uh, I've heard a lot of people really like it because it's kind of a common sense approach to smoking. I, I actually saw a hypnotherapist, and that helped me stop. Um, it worked for me, dude. The I've had her on the show. Her name is Rita Black. If you look in the back catalog of these episodes, I did a full interview with her, Rita Black. She practices hypnotherapy here on uh, Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. She will treat you. You can email her, go on her website. And she does hypnotherapy for smoking, for weight loss, for pretty much anything. I went to her for hypnobirthing before I had my son. Um, yeah, and it's it fucking worked for me. But, but man, that junkie brain. So in order to flip the switch, you do have to hit a bottom and uh, you do have to feel an immense sense of self-loathing and, and hatred. At least I did. Got my ass to quit. <laughs> and I don't know what Tom's motivation was, so I'm not speaking for him, but uh, I'm pretty sure public shaming was very effective here and not such a bad thing. Old school values aren't such a bad thing. There you go. Moving along. Okay. What was I thinking about this week? Oh, man. Oh, 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 I had an epiphany. I was watching these cute little boys on Netflix. Hold on. I followed this kid now on uh, on uh, Instagram. God damn, these boys are just so cute. What the fuck is his name? Hold on. Let me look this guy up. Hold on. Okay, here it is. I had this epiphany this week because I was watching a show on Netflix called Chasing Cameron. And I clicked on it because the cover, um, the cover is of this really effeminate looking, adorable boy. And he's got perfect white teeth and he's, you know, got the cutie patootie, like Justin Bieber-ish cute hair. And he essentially is every tween girl's wet dream. And there's, I worked in the tween, the reason I'm interested in this crap is because I used to write for tween cartoons and I've, I'm familiar with that world. And there's a reason that little 12-year-old girls, 11-year-old girls tend to like effeminate-looking young teenage boys. They don't, let's put it this way, tween girls don't go after bearded, gut-having, macho dudes who do taekwondo. Like, that's really not the mold for a tween girl. Tween girls gravitate towards slightly effeminate, fey, slender 
pretty boys because they're kind of childish the same way that they are, right? Like I remember when I was growing up, Ricky Schroeder was the big heartthrob and he was blonde hair, blue eyed angel, right? Just so cute. And it's because they're harmless. Their sexuality is really not aggressive. So it's kind of safe for a little 11 year old, 12 year old girl to project her fantasies on, on these boys. They're essentially boys. And I, I watched Chasing Cameron on Netflix. So it's about this boy named Cameron Dallas. And for those of you who don't know, he's got like a jillion followers on the internet, on YouTube, on Instagram. And I was watching this doc- documentary, docu-series, and I've only ever, I've only seen one episode. So forgive me if I screw up the story, whatever, but it's, it's uh, Cameron Dallas and his, his like cutie boyfriends. They're all boys. I don't mean he's gay, but they're all friends. And like, they're all these Instagram stars and they have gajillion followers and their followers are like adorable 11 year old girls essentially. And these boys are what, like 18, maybe, you know, 16, 18 year old boys. And they're all super skinny and they have no chest hair yet. And they all make, um, you know, a little video, like Snapchatty. I don't know what they call the Snapchat feature on Instagram, but what the fuck those are called where they're like, uh, Hey girl, who wants to cuddle? And then, you know, the guy will show like his bed or like, yeah, I'm just, no, I'm just so super tired right now. I just decided I'm going to sit around in my pajamas and then he'll be shirtless. But it's so creepy because he doesn't have like a man's body. They all have like these pubescent, you know, little tiny little bodies. They're just little, they're little boys. And, um, they tour around the country, actually around the world because they're world famous because they're on the internet and they, they sell out these huge venues just doing meet and greets. And, um, uh, it's, it's, inter- so I got to thinking i you know, in the past, my generation is so fucking furious with internet famous people. We are livid at the, the idea, the preposterous idea that you should be famous and celebrated for doing absolutely nothing, nothing. You've done nothing to merit having, you know, thousands of girls, teenage girls show up and scream at you. You're not the Beatles. The Beatles had talent. The Beatles spent how many fucking years in a basement in Germany learning, I want to hold your hand or doing whatever sticky music. So to, to somebody, an adult, <laughs> someone who grew up pre-internet, um, we don't understand this shit. Cause you're like, wait, why, why, why is this person making millions of dollars <laughs> and being celebrated? They should not be celebrated. But I finally figured it out after wondering, I finally fucking figured it out. So here's my theory. Here's my theory, millennials. And if you're listening, let me know if this is accurate. So imagine a world, anybody listening, who's a grown up adult who doesn't understand this social media internet, fame, people. Imagine a world where high school is the entire planet, right? And what's the most important thing to an adolescent person? Being popular. So basically, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever these platforms are, Periscope, Snapchats, (sighs) finger smells, fart, fart masters, whatever the fuck dumb minute thing of the week, Vine, 
whatever it is, you can be popular, not only in your high school, but around the world. And that's all it is. It's a gigantic popularity contest. And the kids that are fucking slaying the game that are the most popular are popular everywhere because of social media. So basically Cameron Dallas would be like the hot guy in high school, but because of the fucking internet, he's world famous. All these girls dig him and it's got to be the craziest mind fuck for an adolescent boy to be that popular. I mean, Jesus, I don't even know. I pray for these dudes that they don't completely lose their minds and become junkies by 25 because it, it's totally set up that way. Mm. Except here's why it, it may not go that way. There's a skateboarding documentary that I cannot remember. Oh, about the Pappas brothers. It's, it's fucking, it's all this mayhem, which I've covered on this show before too. If you want to go, there's a, there's an episode about, um, Tuss and Ben Pappas, uh, all this mayhem. It's a documentary. Um, which brings me to that point that these two skateboarders, these boys, Ben and Tuss Pappas, were 13 years old and touring and, you know, making money as skateboarders, <clears throat> excuse me, and they were already doing drugs by the time they were 13. They were smoking dope and, you know, doing coke and getting sluts, slaying the pigs, slaying those hoes. Um, and of course, by the time they were 20, you know, years old, they were already in rehab and fucked up and, you know, had blown it, blown their careers. Now you look at the Tony Hawk camp <laughs> and Hawk was like laser beam focus. Parents were involved in the career. Uh, it was a business for Tony Hawk and for that crew. You know, those boys were not partying. The Bones Brigade, Brigade is that the fucking Tony Hawk? Anyway, yeah, Bones Brigade, those nerds, they weren't partying. They were just skateboarding, hanging out, telling stories, eating candy, good night, lights out by 10 p.m. Same with these nerds. Cameron Dallas and his cool friends, they're fucking nerds. Like these, at least on the show, I don't know, maybe they're doing cooler stuff, but these nerds are like lights out at 10 p.m. They're praying, praying before every event. I was like, well, get the fuck out of here. It's like a, you know, like Jesus camp, like these, these fucking nerds. And, and like the, I, I guess I, I thought the whole point of being rock star being famous is that you bang the girls, right? When you're that age, like you're just looking for puss. That's all you want. And I'm sure they're banging chicks, by the way, I'm sure. But they don't show it on that uh, docu-series, obviously. Otherwise, no parent in the world would let their daughter go to meet Cameron Dallas and his friends. But, uh, but they, you know, the image is squeaky clean, and which some of those boys are really troubled. There's, there's no way they're clean. But, uh, but squeaky clean, in bed by 10, and they're just like, hey, guys, I'm in London. Here's me and my friends. Look at, look, look at that T-shirt. Who uh, guys, I'm popcorn's crazy. Uh. <laughs> God, put down the phone and live your life for five minutes. But, uh, but what's interesting about those boys, what's really interesting, and I was I was thinking like, why are they, what's the drive? And I part of the drive of being a teenager, you want to be popular. Obviously, we all did. But why the need to make these videos in your room and and essentially put yourself out there? And you're not putting out a, a talent or a um, you know you're not plugging anything anything in particular. And uh, the common denominator in all these boys is that they've all got daddy issues. 
a lot of them come from single mother families or the dad is around, but he's kind of a deadbeat or dad's in jail, mom's in jail. I'm raised by my grandparents. Dad's dead. One of them, like it was really, it was kind of crazy because you, you just see all the dots connecting, you know, and as a 40 year old woman, I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the recipe for it right there. Right. You got no dad, mom's in jail, raised by the grandparents. You live in some poor shit fuck town in the Midwest. There's no hope. And your way out of all that misery is to put yourself online. And, uh, it's uh, pretty fucking fascinating. And uh, it's interesting too. Another thing, I wouldn't be surprised in a few years if we hear that those boys are being molested by their fucking tour manager. That guy is a total predator. He's one of these like creepy older men, some, some dude my age who's like, I just, I really care about these boys. I need to, I want to mentor them and hang out with them. Like, what are you talking about? That's, you know, pedophilia, fucking 101 pedophile. So there you go. I finally figured out social media is about being popular. (laughs) I guess I can't wrap my brain around why anybody um, wants to share. And it's only because I'm thinking with an adult brain, like an adult, yeah, an adult's mind. I need to, you have to think like an adolescent and then you'll get it. Okay. Uh, Great. Moving right along. Sesame Street. Really interesting. I was watching Sesame Street with the kid now uh, in the morning. We watch it and they uh, they had this story. But I don't know. One of the live people was reading a fucking princess story and they were rewriting the princess story, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, they were like, oh, the, there's a princess in a tower how does she get out the prince rescues her and then they go no 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 let's write a different story the princess finds a way to climb down the thing and they they rewrite a princess tale and i thought wow what a fucking killer progressive like i and i know now they're rewriting a lot of the princess stuff like there's that fucking whatever hawaiian billboard thing i see disney did it Cool, very cool. Because I honestly, the whole princess thing makes my asshole pucker like nothing else. I can't think of a worse thing to endorse uh, for little girls. Uh, it, it is so fucking harmful. First of all, the princess holds no power. The queen holds the power. So if you're going to play royalty games, fucking be the queen. Don't be the princess. She's useless. No. Uh, and not only that, you know, obviously the whole thing of wanting to be rescued is, is really harmful. Uh, but also, you know, we all know these girls. I know, I know a girl who, uh, just got married a few years ago and still has a bedroom in her parents' house and it's all decked out in, you know, princess stuff. Um, let's, let's, let's say her name is, uh, Skylar. It's like, She's got that thing where it's like Princess Skylar is written on the wall and the parents are like, yes, yes, she's a princess. Yes, you're just a princess. You don't have to do anything. It's it's all going to come together, princess. (laughs) Which is really, really infantilizing for a woman, number one. Number two, what kind of dude is attracted to that? I mean, what sick person is like, yeah, let me rescue let me keep you 
in a childlike state of incompetence and dependency. <laughs> so fucking weird. I don't know why people encourage that shit in girls. I'm just thankful I have a boy. I don't even have to buy him. Fuck, the whole world is set up for men, believe me. These play sets are ridiculous for girls. It's so stupid. It's the same exact toy except pink or blue now. I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. Okay. I wanted to read this one. It's so rad. This is such a, a, a interesting email. Uh, all right, let's get into it. You know what I need? I need some kind of stinger or whatever that's called to introduce emails. I'm going to have Blue Band build me one. Okay. This uh, person, John, writes, Dear Christina, my life is fucked up. <laughs> to the point, I like it. I'm a mid-30s former goth adult child of an alcoholic and a virgin. I continue to get older and this virgin thing continues to get weirder and weirder for me. I'm the type of person who doesn't like to keep secrets and this secret is eating me alive. I don't want to get long-winded, but let's just say I used to have social disorders that are now under control. I've heard you talk about being an unsocialized human who found a partner in a very normal human. How can I too achieve this? <laughs> How do I pretend that I have the kind of feelings that humans have long enough to have someone teach me what it's like to feel human? <laughs> I may be a bit of a sociopath as I'm quite successful in the professional world. However, I really just cannot connect and empathize with people. Any advice on how to get my life? Okay. John. Well, John. Uh, okay. Well, let's start with the sociopath part. <laughs> if you truly are uh, a sociopath, uh, you know, hey, look, what do I say first before I answer anybody's uh, emails. Number one, I'm not a licensed professional. I have no business telling you how to live your life. I just fucking, I just tell you what I know. And number one, see a shrink. Number one. Uh, and I, I don't know, are you getting your life with a, th a shrink? Okay. Get, get a, get a shrink. Uh, number two, that's for the sexual stuff. I, I know what you're talking about in terms of it getting weirder and weirder because, I think losing your virginity becomes one of those things that if, if you don't do quote early or when everyone else is doing it, it tends to grow as a, a thing for you. It becomes, it becomes a thing covered with anxiety and riddled with panic. It, it gets bigger than it has to be is what I'm trying to say. Um, and by the way, yeah, that's not that crazy. I think I know a couple older virgins myself. Um, I think our culture puts too much emphasis on promiscuity, on the virtue of, you know, slutting around, especially nowadays. It feels like that's the cool thing to do, like Tinder and whatever these apps are where you can just find another human to have intercourse with. It blows my mind that women allow dudes to just ejaculate inside of them without even knowing who they are. It's fucking preposterous. But anyways, I digress. Uh, virgin stuff gets weirder. Yeah, it, it does get weirder as time goes by because you're making it a bigger deal than it is and has to be. My advice to you on the sexual stuff, get a hooker. Seriously. Just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think hookers are fine. I think get a high end one. Not, you know, obviously don't, I, I don't know. Go get a nice prostitute <laughs> and just 
because if you're really this socially awkward, chances are you're not gonna why go it hasn't worked for you yet, is what I'm saying. The courtship thing hasn't worked for you yet. So just bust the nut off, get get a nut with like a stranger whose job it is to make you feel comfortable and and then I don't know, see a shrink. Jesus Christ. Cause I, you know, cause you say you have social, yeah, I get they're under control, but the sociopath stuff that I, I can't, you know, I don't know, bro. I definitely see a hooker and you know what? I, some guys, that's the only way they can connect to people. And if you really are this socially, oh fuck, did I just unplug something by kicking it? God damn it. Uh, if you really are this socially inept, you know, for some dudes, that's their only form of intimacy. And it's not a bad thing. I know men who go on, oh, Yoshi, he's been on our show. We'll take hooker tours. He has favorite prostitutes in different cities. He loves, uh, not Berlin. Is it Berlin? Uh, he likes Amsterdam. He likes Eastern Europe. Um, yeah. Call Yoshi. Why don't you email Yoshi Obayashi? Tell him I sent you. And he will set you straight. There you go. Get your life. <laughs> and by the way, uh, for people who who uh, want who are you know like weirdos who feel like weirdos like me who grew up in an extremely fucking crazy traumatic environment and who want to find a quote normal partner. <laughs> I, I've said this before on this show that with Tommy, I went better than me. Uh, I think Dan Pena says that you don't want to hang out with people who are the same as you. You want to hang out with people fucking better than you so that you become better. And my husband is one of those people who is really balanced and really normal. And I know that the community, the fucking therapy community doesn't want me to say that think people are quote normal. Uh, there is such a thing as normal. Yes, there is. There are people who don't suffer addictions, uh, who don't, um, have uh, personality disorders who lead a functional human life. I consider that normal. So there you go. Uh, but in order to find a, nor- a quote normal, right? Normal. What is normal? Normal person. You have to want to be with a normal person. And by that, I mean, you need to stretch your emotional capacities as well. I don't mean fake it. I mean, you have to fucking put in the hours on a shrink's couch uh, and doing whatever it is to get your ass in a position to attract somebody. Because look, man, if you're really wild, you're really wild now, and you got all your fucking bag of bullshit, you might find a nice, normal guy, girl to be with you for a hot minute. But eventually, if you don't work on your end of the deal, if you don't work on yourself, they're just going to get tired and leave you. That's just the truth. Sorry. That's just the truth. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, Jean. That's my new name, Jean. G-E-N-E. Uh, I appreciate you sharing the story of your stepmother's hatred of folks. I feel the same way about Buddy. Oh, good to know. That's so funny. People have uh, just trigger words. My stepmother hated being called folks at restaurants. She felt it was somehow uh, demeaning. What up, folks? Don't call me folks. Okay, he writes, the below has already been communicated to my therapist. Excellent, excellent, but I wanted to include you as well. Related to parental issues, 
I have appreciated your advice for dealing with difficult parents over the last 103 episodes. My dad is a huge loser and an emotionally abusive, manipulative asshole. The loser part wasn't always true, but it is a 15 plus year condition at this point. He was very successful when I was a child. His business fell apart and then he proceeded to terrorize my mom and I for the next decade. They got divorced. I moved out and now he's mostly cut out of our lives. Mostly. The hard thing is that once or twice a year when he pops up asking for something, he only contacts me when he needs something and there's always an air of bullshit about it. This time it's to be on my cell phone plan because his his got hacked or something. He's always trying to get around paying for things so I know it's him trying to bail on T-Mobile or whatever. I want him to just be honest and say he can't pay his bill. It doesn't make it easier that I spend quite a bit of waking energy just trying to not be like him but see so many similarities. I know calm assertive energies. I can never manage to do it because he reaches out so infrequently and I still have some residual. I can't assert myself because I get yelled at. Fuck that guy. Seriously. Thanks for the weekly advice and perspective. Okay. John. Well, John, that's a tough one. Actually, no, it's pretty cut. This one's pretty, pretty, I, I don't, Okay, so your dad's a fucking loser. He's manipulative. He's abusive. The only time he comes calling is for money. Um, it doesn't sound like you have a relationship outside of that. It doesn't sound like it's really salvageable. I'm not sure that you want to salvage it. So if the calls are only twice a year and you know it's going to be a bullshit thing, you can either A, not take the call because... Generally, what I've found with my mom over the years is that uh, when they reach out and you don't you don't get roped into their bullshit, they just find somebody else to to rope into their drama, and you're just like number five on the call sheet. <laughs> like literally, they will just go. People like your dad um, and people in my family, people that I've known in life. They're just, they're looking for the drama. They're looking for the solution. They're looking for the fix. They're looking for whatever. And your name is on a list in their phone of people that will take the call. (laughs) So when you become the person who doesn't take the call, they simply move on and find the sucker who will. And believe me, it's a sucker who takes the call because you know what he wants. You've said it yourself. And I think the reason you answer the call is because you're hoping, you're hoping against hope that maybe this time my dad will be a normal human being. Maybe this time he'll be honest. Maybe this time he won't lie to me. Maybe this time he'll be a better dad. Maybe, maybe he's had a near death experience and he's come back a normal person who loves me, who's going to be an ideal dad. Now, I don't know, maybe in some other parallel universe, your dad is a swell guy and he's changed and he's going to be rad. But in this universe, in this plane, he's kind of a douchebag. So I, I think the, the importance here, and I understand it's so hard to assert yourself and set boundaries with um, douchebag parents, <clears throat> excuse me, because I've had to do that myself in my life with my mom when she was alive. Because you know what happens when you assert boundaries with crazy people or with upsetting people or with people who don't like that? They're going to pout. 
No one tells you that part about asserting boundaries, by the way. When you say, look, no more, I'm not paying your bills. If you want to talk about anything else, dad, I would love to talk about sports, about uh, the weather. I'll talk about anything else. But the minute you say, don't ever call me if it's about money or whatever it is, whatever manipulation, I'm not interested. Just count on him being upset with you. Count on him saying something shitty back because they always do. And then think of them as a toddler. That's what I do. (laughs) That's what I've done. Think of that person as a two-year-old who's not getting their way because emotionally these people are kind of toddlers. That's why they're acting like this for whatever reason. I'm not blaming him. He probably had a shitty childhood. Who knows what the fuck his story is. Could have mental illness. Could be a drunk. I don't know. But they get mad. They spin out of control. And two things happen. Either they disappear completely or they clean up enough to meet your boundary qualifications and then you can have some form of a relationship. But homeboy is only coming around twice a year and he's only coming around for bullshit. I say, don't even fucking take the call. (laughs) Why? What is it worth to you? You know what I mean? And I'm sorry. It sounds like you don't have a good dad. You don't. I don't know how old you are. Um, but here's my advice to you as someone that grew up with very disappointing family as well. (laughs) Take your focus off your dad, off the disappointing parent and put the focus on the positive in your life. I don't know if you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, dog, best friend, church group, choir group, gay disco group, whatever, whatever you have, look to that, nurture that. Go to the positive parts of your life and forget about this guy. And I know it's really, really, really hard. And that is really simplistic sounding advice. I know, because it kind of is. And you're afraid of him on the one hand because you still have that little kid thing in you that's like, but I can't say no to daddy. You're going to disappoint. What if, I, what if I upset my dad? And I know that's your thought, right? But I, if, I, if I don't take the call, then he's not going to like me and he's going to be mad at me and then he's going to retaliate or maybe he's going to show up drunk, whatever, blah, 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 blah. That's because you're still thinking like a little kid. When you start thinking like an adult, you realize you're an adult. He has no power over you. You don't have to take the phone call. So there's, you don't have to do shit anymore. He has no power over you. You're a grown ass man. You don't live in his house. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do fucking anything. You can do nothing. And you don't have to feel bad about it. That's the sick part too, by the way. When you got shit bird uh, parents, nobody tells you that, but you feel a tremendous amount of guilt when you, um, when you decide that you cannot fuck with your parents no more. It's, uh, oh boy, it's bad. But the key is to realize you feel guilt because you're still thinking with a child's brain. And when you start thinking like an adult, you realize like, oh, it doesn't matter that this person is a bio relation. They still fucking suck. They still suck. You, you suck. What? And here's, I always think this too, like if your dad were a friend, would you tolerate that behavior in a fucking friend? Of course not. Of course not. Okay. Oh, mommy, 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 mommy. I wanted to share with you an article my husband sent to me yesterday that I think 
is pretty fucking exciting. In light of the new year, let's see. Let's see. Here it is. He sent it to me last night, and I thought, oh, this is good. I got to share this with my listeners. This is from inkinc.com. Nine personal challenges that can change your life in 30 days. Interesting. Okay. That's what they say. That's how long it takes to break a habit, right? And we started this episode by talking about Tom's weight loss and the discipline and the um, catalyst to change. So here we go. Challenge yourself to stop doing these things for 30 days. Really interesting. Stop using Facebook. That's extreme for most people. If you really can't live without it, try to schedule very little time for it, like maximum two hours a week. You will finally notice that you have tons of time to do something constructive and meaningful. That's so true, right? I go on Facebook as a lurker. I'm one of those horrible people that Facebook people hate, like people that really use Facebook, because I just, I go on there and I might look at the animal things. Like I really like anything with dogs, anything with cats, anything with gorillas. Um, I like some baby things that people post and then I'm out. Like I don't fucking, I can't, I can't look at every plate of food. I don't give a shit. Uh, Do not fucking send me a Christmas uh, picture card thing. Oh my God. It's just, it's embarrassing. Okay. Stop your sugar intake. We all know sugar is bad for our bodies. If you don't know this yet, Read this on there's a link. Quit eating chocolate cake, sweets, ice cream, and everything else that contains refined sugar. Opt for fruit or honey instead. Yeah, that's pretty good. Stop comparing. I believe this is one of the hardest challenges since often we compare ourselves to others without even noticing. Try your best to stop evaluating yourself based on other standards once you see your mind doing it. Oh, I do that a lot. I do that all the time. Oh my God, don't you do that all the time when you're like, oh, I can't get on Instagram. And I'll see like, um, I'll see like Rachel Zoe. Like I love Rachel Zoe and she's got two kids and she's like a working mom and she's all perfect. Like she's holding her kid's hand and like, but then I remember like, oh, Rachel Zoe, like her whole thing is to be, um, like image, you know, like she's, she's very deliberate about looking good all the time and she's like a fashion person. So of course her life is going to look perfect. It's a fucking photograph. Any, anyways, stop comparing. God, that's a good one. Stop blaming. Start telling yourself this. I'm responsible for everything that happens to me and stop pushing the responsibility to someone else. Think about how you can deliver more value to your employer if you think you're not being appreciated. Evaluate yourself first if you keep having disagreements with your spouse. Stop blaming something and someone else at all costs. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that is so true. I'm responsible for everything that happens to me. It's interesting. I know, and, and but my first reaction would be like, yeah, but what about like a car accident? Is that really me? It's not that. I think you're, I think you're responsible for your reaction to things is what, is what that means, right? Like uh, you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to just do something else. And there's always a choice, by the way. There's always a choice. We are never choiceless. It just seems like there aren't choices. Okay, for the next 30 days, challenge yourself to do these things. Read daily, period. That's all it says. I read daily. I do read daily. I'm reading right now a book called um, The Mommy Myth, which is fucking great by Susan Douglas. Oh, it's so good right now. Okay. Do something that scares you. Get out from your comfort zone, set bigger goals, and do it. You're reading this right now because someone else once thought that the personal computer was possible. Oh, shit. 
do something that scares you. I feel like life scares me. I feel like I'm one of these people that just the everyday uh, it challenges me enough. <laughs> you know, I, I remember someone being like, why don't we go bungee jumping? I'm like, because uh, life is hard enough. Do I really need to fucking do anything out of my comfort zone? I'm always out of my comfort zone. Existence is out of my comfort zone. Now, here's my favorite. Allocate time for nothing. Often we tend we tend to caught up often we tend to caught up on those never ending I think it's often we tend to be caught up on those never ending tasks without giving some space to our mind to do nothing. Well balanced people do this and it can be meditation, breathing exercises, or just still just sitting still and thinking about nothing. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you that uh time for doing nothing is my most favorite thing in the world. I love doing nothing. I'm really good at it. Like I really, and I'm not, I love idle. I love being idle. It is just my favorite thing. I could fucking sit here and just stare at the wall for hours. You know, like plane, like flights, the plane flights bum people out. Not me. I love it. I'm like, oh, this is four hours to just fucking sit here and stare. (laughs) I do. I love it. That's the only problem with having a kid is that it, it cuts into your idle time big time. Like I, I need time to just pitter, patter. What's the word? Putter. Puttering time. Oh, I love puttering. I love just walking around the house, relaxed, you know, pick up this thing, put down the magazine, go sit over here, go sit over there, drink my coffee here. Oh God. Well, 17 more years and I can putter again. Exercise strengthens your body and lightens your mood. Besides, we tend to get a sense of achievement and control when we conquer a tough workout session. In other words, it strengthens our minds to face challenges in our day-to-day work and adversity in life. That's absolutely true. Yeah, that's so true. Because, you know, once I start doing this Pilates horseshit twice a week, I'm telling you, it changes, it, it helps you get your entire life because you you realize that it really just boils down to discipline. (laughs) It really boils down to making a decision and just sticking to it and just doing it. There's no thinking. There's just doing. Okay. Answer a Quora question. Q-U-O-R-A. I don't know what the fuck that is. Try writing down your thoughts and sharing your knowledge with someone who needs it. Commit to this for 30 days and you'll be surprised how far it gets you. What's a fucking Quora? Quora. Let's Google that. I don't know what the fuck a Quora God, there's so many new things. I, I don't, you know, it's funny. I, I just hit that age where like, what, what is that? What's a quark? And I used to just know these things. Like, I guess these are just Quora, the best answer to any question. Uh, okay. I gotcha. The best answer to any question. Very good. It's a website. It's just that answering questions. Very good. Yeah. All right. God, how is it that? Why does my dad know the exact worst time to call me? How do parents have that ability to call you, text you, try to contact you at the least desirable moment of your day? It's like, it's never when I'm just sitting here relaxing. It's like, I'm in the middle of working. I'm in the middle of driving somewhere. I'm about to get on stage. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. I'm going to the comedy store tonight. I'm very excited. I'm usually there Saturday nights in the OR. I do the early show because I like to go home early so I can get to bed early so I can get my life. (laughs) 
Uh, that's it. Email me at that's deep rope podcast at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns. Also, are you non-binary? I'm still in need of a non-binary person to interview on this show. Help me understand that. Now that I've grasped, grasped social media, I need to grasp this non-binary stuff. Okay. Help me understand gender identity for the love of God. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for downloading. Have a fantastic week. Um, yeah, get your entire lives, guys. All right, until next time, that's been deep, bro. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.